Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co-hosts, Kylie and Eva. Welcome to Hello Universe. I'm Kylie. And I'm Eva. And what's up, Kylie? How are you doing today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What you don't know, listeners, is that we... (laughs) recorded that back and forth like five times yeah we're laughing because this is the practiced version here yes (laughs) this is this is us with finesse yes (laughs) Uh, i am speaking of finesse uh i am now in week two of being self-employed i promise i won't constantly you guys it won't be like i'm in week 75 (laughs) of being self-employed but it's still new. So. No, I love the updates. I want the updates. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It's definitely a roller coaster. I feel at times invincible and at times totally uh, scared. Although I do think that the pendulum swings are getting um, less. shorter. Yeah, they're they're yeah. calming down a little bit. So, yeah. um, and as I mentioned at the end of this podcast, um, the universe has been like screaming at me to like actually calm down and show up in my present life instead of like hustle mode and I'm finally tuning in so that's been good so um yeah also it's really freaking hot here that's really yes it's like a surface of the sun with humidity oh I didn't know (laughs) that it got that hot outside Boston yeah yeah um how are you my world yeah Uh, (laughs) um how am I you know what? I have like no big updates. I was thinking about what I wanted to share before this podcast. I'm really super excited about just like jumping in and introducing our guest today because like yeah. she's so, so good. You guys are going to hear on the show that I was, if you guys, I don't know if you listeners can tell, but I was nervous, which is why I feel like in the beginning I was like bumbling a little bit, talking too much. Um, and that's just you a sign. You will have noticed that. That yeah. was just in Eva's head, but... <laughs> But just a sign of such uh, reverence I have for today's guest. So we will get to that. But before that, I want to, let's talk about all the things we want to share and promote with our lovely audience. Okay. That sounds great. Um, So I am next week, you will be able to enroll in the second round of Learn to Read the Akashic Records, um, which has been the most effortless thing I've ever done, which Mm -hmm. I don't mean to say like, yeah, it's just like from that when the idea first came to me through all putting together all of the exercises and the curriculum and like working with everyone who was in the class, which was like the greatest community ever. It just was like, it just was the epitome of flow. And so I'm super, super, super excited to do it for a second time around because like, I just know that it's good and it's to get better no, and, and better. magical and yeah. like and it's magical and chill at the same time which is yeah. and I just got and people have given me some of their feedback and like one woman said uh sent me a Facebook DM that was like this feels like the missing piece uh, and then I cried yeah <laughs> so well, you all know I was part of that course so I can obviously vouch for Kylie I, I mean you I had so many questions as someone who was coming into it a little bit more cynical. You, you answered everything with grace. The community was amazing. Um, I really feel like you, we get to a lot in just short four weeks. Yeah. So it's really cool. 
I'm, I'm, uh, thank you. Thank you for saying those kind things. It was really, it was fun. So if you guys are interested and I will say, um, you know, throughout the program, it, you, the first week you are in the records. And so the rest of the courses is about kind of going deeper and learning different ways to use the records. It's not like you need four weeks to learn how to read the records. Mm -hmm. It's that like, I want to share with you all of the knowledge and wisdom and experience that I have so that this can really be a like rich tool in your spiritual tool chest. So yeah, yeah, um, it's going to be great. So if you, uh, that officially goes live next week. Um, but if you're interested, just DM me so I can get you on that wait list. How about you, Eva? Um, so same thing. Uh, I have my four-week meditation and life coaching program, but um, it's still currently at capacity. So I will let y'all know when more spaces open up. Probably um, in the fall is probably when I'm going to do another launch. And then again, of course, uh, in the, towards the end of the year. But for right now, um, I think if you want to follow my work, you can find me at Eva at Bad Bitch Living on Instagram at evaliao.com is my website. Um, you can email me to get on the wait list. Um, usually when I open that up, you'll get first sort of a first come first serve type situation. And I want to also right, give a shout out to our Facebook group. So if you love the podcast, if you want to find other like-minded, lovely mermaid, <laughs> mermaid people, <laughs> um, you can find us at, on Facebook at Hello Universe Community. And if you like the show, please uh, share it with a friend, subscribe, like, do all those things. It really helps little podcasts like ours grow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we love reading your kind words. They make oh my God. feel very special. Seriously. <laughs> it's like a balm. It's like a balm on a bad day or like it really just lights up my life that anyone would be so kind to take. It only takes, it literally only takes less than five minutes though. Not even five minutes really. But Right? But there is like some real gratitude there when I'm like, oh, someone like went out of their way to show their love and support us. And that feels really, really special. So thank you so much for, for y'all for doing that. Should we read one? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Here's a beautiful one. Okay. <clears throat> this is from J Money, 1987, who has an amazing handle. Not your typical Q&A pod. There's something about two best friends hosting a podcast that's addicting. Not just their comfort with each other, but the way they seamlessly interview guests. They get to the underbelly of people's pasts and identities in a way that could only be described as refreshing and reassuring. Aww. How can you not make you feel so warm and fuzzy? <laughs> I know, seriously. Hey, money, we love you. We Thank love you, you so much. Yeah. So <clears throat> all of that being said, Let's get to introducing you to today's interview because this is so good. <laughs> today's <laughs> guest is just like such a magical human being. Um, so one of the things even I talk about sometimes on air and, and often off air is the way in which we, you know, I come from this mystical I come to spirituality from mysticism and Eva comes to it from meditation and the way that those work together and overlap and also like stretch one another. And so we were so excited when the spring agreed to be on the show because she is both. <laughs> she's been <laughs> meditating for 20 years and she's a medicine woman who like lived in Peru and like travels there all the time and, um, and has such a 
like rich, grounded, expansive way of holding space for these two really meaningful, beautiful spiritual traditions. Um, yeah. And so I was particularly like so thrilled um, and honored when she agreed to be on our podcast because she's like a very well-known meditation teacher. She's and, a big deal, guys. Yeah, she's a big deal. She's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, you know, so she's like a meditation teacher in this in, in the States and this like Western world that we live in, but also brings in like the elements of like the shamanic work, which sometimes can feel like they're at odds with each other. Or that was my perception until we had this conversation and she really showed us all the ways in which they complement each other, um, you know, in her life and in her work. And I was really inspired by that. So I'll let you read her bio. So uh, Spring Washam is a meditation teacher, author, member of the Teachers Council at Spirit Rock Meditation and a medicine woman. And I would say we spend the whole, we, we do a pretty good job of covering a lot of those things in this podcast. Yeah, so we cut, we've made some ground in this one. So yeah. um, this is like just, I think I say this every time, but truly this is a special episode. So enjoy. All right. Hello, Spring. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm, I'm happy. This seems like we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Indeed we are. <laughs> so uh, the first question that we ask all our guests is what does spirituality mean to you and how does it show up in your everyday life? Yeah. You know, I thought about that question. Um, I read it that you send that to all the guests and, and it's probably so interesting how everyone answers that. But I would say for me, how I answer that is integrity, that I live with a sense of deep ethics. You know, it's like right is right and wrong is wrong and we know it, you know, and I, when I say I'm on a spiritual path, I'm on the path of planting seeds of happiness and, and knowing what causes pain, I don't want to do anymore. And I'm aware of that. And for me, uh, ethics and uh, integrity and my word and honesty, they're everything to me. That's like that's the core of the foundation of it all right there. If you don't have that, you're missing a fundamental piece on this journey. Um, so that's what it means to me. I love that answer. <laughs> Me too. I love it because it's, I love it when people give a really simple answer to something that can seem really complex. But mm. what you're saying, I think really breaks it down to its bare bones, um, which I'm actually a little bit, I think you're absolutely correct. Like I 100% agree with you, but I think oftentimes people think of spirituality as almost, um, when we think about ethics, we think about religion, I think oftentimes, or this like this, I don't know, it can be, it can be wrapped into other more black and white things, but I've never actually heard anyone talk about spirituality as ethics before or integrity. And I think mm. that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, Kylie, you go. You mentioned um, that integrity for you is like the, it shows up as knowing what causes pain. And, and I'm curious for you, how does that knowing arise? Right. Cause I feel like that's one of the things people grapple with is, um, is what they know to be true for themselves versus what is kind of an external knowing that's being put on them. So how does it show up for you that you're like, this is my truth. This is me in integrity. Well, I think I've learned when I didn't listen to it 
and the regret, you know, when they say that, that you use that, that phrase eaten by regret or eaten like that, that feeling of, oh, and I can't take it back. And maybe I've Mm. done something, I've said something, I've acted inappropriately, um, or my actions uh, in some way. And I just don't like that feeling of regret anymore. I decided that out of, to remove that feeling from my life, I will just be really mindful (laughs) And it's really self-love. I don't want to feel that terrible feeling. I've had hours, days, weeks, you know, as you become more sensitive and you're walking with more mindfulness, that regret really hurts. And it's not guilt or shame. You don't let it get to that. But you you just recognize what behaviors are in alignment with who you are and, and what's not. And you know when you, and, and just get the more you get to know yourself, the more you'll feel when you're out of bounds. You'll immediately next day, next moment. Oh, the yeah. heart. Yeah. And As the like words that. are coming out of your mouth, you can <laughs> yes. feel the inauthenticity <laughs> of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I actually think that's so true. I, there's this quote that I'm going to butcher, but this idea of like, anytime we do, there's like judgment or something just kind of gross is put out there. We always pay the price in our own psychic discomfort because there, you, we kind of know there's that, like, kind of like you said, there's that little, like, ugh, it just feels gross. And it almost is a re- it gets reflected back to us where we're like, I know that didn't feel good, but I do think that it, d- it takes a level, certain level of self-awareness because, uh, self-awareness, I think is really the key for so much. <laughs> and the greater your self-awareness is or the deeper it goes, it's easier for you to notice that you're getting that ping of grossness right back. Yeah, you start to feel unhappy, or you get that reflected immediately. And I think the more you're, you're kind of walking this path, the longer you go, it's an immediate reflection. It's like a boomerang effect. You put it out and it gets starts to reflect faster, wake up, wake up, I am you. So you might be attacking this person or doing this. And immediately, there's this hurt that you feel or discomfort or you just feel depressed about something, you know, wish I could have done that differently or the backlash or, you know, there's always these things that we have to process, which is like tangles, right? So I might as well just put out a certain frequency because it's less tangled. It's more of who I am and it makes me happier too. Mm -hmm. So, but we we do have to become aware of that. And I, I think for a lot of the communities, you're absolutely right. This idea that their spiritual lives are devoid of ethics, that I do whatever I want because I, I feel that I'm going to do that. So they start crossing all these boundaries mm-hmm. in their spirit of, I need to be seen. I need to feel, I need to do this. <laughs> and then other people are getting stepped on, hurt, and your need to express or feel. And it just becomes very unconscious. Yeah. And the perpetuation of that unconsciousness. So it's not a bad thing to be at that stage. It, it means that it's a, it's a longer journey around the mountain than if you, if you abide by some sense of ethics, like I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to take what's not given to me. Mm. I am just not going to use my sexuality in ways that harm, no mm. matter how I'm feeling in the moment, you know, yeah. I'm not going to get all these intoxicants and do this thing that it happens every time I drink two bottles of wine. Oh, well, you know, we just <laughs> have to stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop, like, wait, not out of like, I'm gonna, someone's gonna hurt me, or there's a, somebody like a God figure who's gonna strike me. It's your own sense of, I don't like this feeling waking up tomorrow like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you yeah. get tired of that suffering. Yeah. It's almost like the image that I have as you're talking is of like a pendulum swing, right? It's like a, 
you know, the, 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 like the kid with really, um, strict parents that goes to college and is like, woohoo, you know, like <laughs> we go from this notion of a really strict set of rules, maybe from organized religion. And then we think we got to swing over to the space of spirituality. That's like, Oh, I get to like do everything yeah. because I'm, I'm a free, free soul. Yeah. I'm just going streaking <laughs> through the quad. <laughs> <laughs> and that it's just like, it's with, when we remove judgment, like it's just like, it's just, it's a phase that's beautiful and valuable. And also like there's an invitation to kind of come back to us, to come to some kind of center. Uh, yeah. And I think it's really, it's about to grow in that moment, right? The first phase of spirituality is me, 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 me. I'm, I need to express, I need to feel, I need to heal, I need I, I, I. And that's a beautiful stage. But I think as we get more mature and we start to get like, okay, this road is about service and deep compassion and a voice for good. We get more power, it becomes we. And our actions don't become repressive, they become mindful and caring. <laughs> right? Our, our movement doesn't, it, it's not coming from a, oh, like I'm being oppressed, so I'm not going to, you know, act out like this. We just know what's right for us. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking of our impact on others. Is this yeah. helpful? Right? <sighs> yeah. So. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't expect to get into this like so early in the podcast, <laughs> but, I, but, I, <laughs> but I do think this really speaks a lot to also social justice issues. And I think, I don't know, Spring, if I heard you talk about this in a podcast you were on, but this idea of like, if I, if there's equal inequality, if I'm hurting other people with like biases, racism, whatever, I'm hurting myself. Like there's literally mm -hmm. no connection and someone else's liberation is also my liberation. So I do think, yeah, in that way, spiritual practices, like when you, when you were able to see that we actually are all connected, we understand that hurting other people is in fact hurting, hurting ourselves. Yeah, in that, in that view of interconnectedness, we talk about it a lot, right? We're like, we're all one, unity. And I think we get it on a, a mental level. We do, we understand like single source, we're all part of the universe, you know? Mm -hmm. And that I think is true, but to start to um, really understand it on deeper levels, and I, I think this really comes from my years of working in the jungle with plant medicines and ceremonies and being on the land. And I've had so many experiences of that oneness, um, being one with the whole jungle, the earth, you know, all the plants, the whole forest, we're breathing with each other. That, that has gone so deep, almost in my DNA. Mm. That is, so when I'm talking to people, it's very hard for me to come from the dualistic perspective. Mm. <laughs> even though you know and so I know people feel like I'm so different than them so they could hurt me or my family or you know that we, we perceive that you know we have to believe that but um but yeah we it, it's a I think a progress of insight to start to understand interconnectedness interbeing these are core Buddhist principles you know how we see the universe as a you know everything we're doing is affecting you know, everything else. It's like the butterfly effect, you know, maybe not so dramatically, but, <laughs> but who knows sometimes, you know? So can I ask you actually, I think this was like a good moment to ask you to tell a little bit of your story. Cause I know our listeners are like, okay, well, this woman lived in the jungle. Like I want to know, I want to know who she is. So could you just walk us through a little bit of who spring is and sort of how you got to this moment in your, in your life? 
you know, in, in the next, in the next you know, five I'll minutes. Yeah, really <laughs> condensed. Like, it all started, but now it's five, and then we're here for three hours. No, no, it really, you know, I mean, like, many people, I grew up in an urban environment. It was, my mother was white, my father's African-American. They had all these dramas and traumas. They broke up, and there was just you know, growing up, seeing all the suffering, you know, single mother and struggles and the people around. And that really propelled me early on to um, thinking about things deeper. Like, why are, is everyone so upset? Mm-hmm. You know, why are people drunk outside at nine o'clock in the morning? Like, why? Are, like, what is causing this? So mm-hmm. I had a very deep reflective side, but nobody around me could really help me. My mother was just life's a bitch, then you die. I don't know. Don't mm-hmm. ask me questions. I got to go to work. You know, that was all I ever mm-hmm. got, you know? Mm-hmm. So I understand that, you know? And so, um, you know, as I got to be a teenager, all these traumas that happen to you when you're kind of move out and you're young and you're on your own. And um, I started studying psychology to feel better. And then that got me into um, studying meditation. Like I, I was so, what I did know when I was a very young age, it was something to do with my thinking. I was very, I remember I used to tell people, it's our thoughts. I know it. <laughs> it's like my thinking is, I have a problem. It's like you can tell because it's causing you suffering. You're like yeah, yeah. overthinking. And we we yeah. all know it so well, right? It's the overthinking and the overanalyzing. You're just like, oh, I'm just tired of everything that's going on up here. <laughs> so exactly. wild to be able to observe that because I think so often we just get sucked into the thinking so much that we don't even, like the first step is to see it as the problem. So that like, you know, as a, as a teenager, I could just see like, guys, it's the thoughts. Everyone's like, okay, so she's lost it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody, this was like, you, you got to think about this. This was 25. I mean, I'm 46. This was, there wasn't internet. There wasn't a lot. There was nothing. I would go to the library and there was these old school books in there. You know, there wasn't, I mean, how do you get this information? Yeah. You know, and yeah. so you just kind of wait. And you yeah. practice. And then I got involved in Buddhism. I was really, you know, fortunate to meet a teacher, my teacher, Jack Cornfield. He's a Buddhist teacher and scholar and founder of Spirit Rock, where I'm on a teacher's council. Um, and then I practiced. I, I put fully all my heart into that. I went on a retreat when I was young and I threw myself into that practice because I was lived. For me, it was like this was, yes, this is teaching me about my mind. Mm-hmm. and the end of suffering and how suffering is being created. And again, I was fascinated by that because I wanted to understand. Um, and so from there, I did that for 10 years, really strong years of retreat, traveling, Asia, you know, visiting, blessings by Dalai Lama, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I have a meltdown at some point on a long retreat. And that took me onto the path of shamanism because I had these really deep traumas that I couldn't seem to work through in this kind of sterile environment where everyone's sitting still. We know so much more about trauma than we knew 10 years ago. It's like light years. Uh-huh. Nobody knew how to help me. I was like, I was having like PTSD. Yeah. That ended up me getting into working with plants uh, in a shamanic path as a way to heal my trauma. And that led me to going to Peru. Um, I started to work with ayahuasca early on, like 13 years ago. Nobody knew about it. I was introduced to me by a psychologist who said, you're disassociated from your body. And wow. I, let me help you with this plant that I've been working with secretly. Like it was very underground. What you a know? very cool do- doctor. Like, <laughs> oh, this yeah. is how he's become one of my best friends yes. now. Like, Yeah, <laughs> good. Awesome. That's amazing. 
Yeah, and she's like, this will help. And at that point, you know how you're at the rock bottom. You'll do anything. You'll swim with dolphins. You'll lie naked places. You'll go out <laughs> like anything. I don't. I'll I'm swim dinosaurs even on the highs. Like, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's on a good note. But you'll, you'll but yeah. like whatever the, the cure, you're like, okay, I'm going to try it. Yeah, I, I've yeah. done everything, you know, rebirth, everything. Yeah. I still have this epic trauma. Mm-hmm. And so it that, that was my introduction into that. And then years later, I started an organization where I was bringing people to Peru. And I spent a year in the jungle studying with people, maestras, women healers. Um, and so that's like a whole adventure. That's a whole show unto itself. But that's a part of my spirit and working with plants and Panchamama and the energy of the, those plants and the, the traditions in the Amazon means a lot to me. I'm usually I'd be in Peru right now, but um, as we know, 2020 mm-hmm. it changed the whole <laughs> landscape. My whole yep. calendar was washed away in one moment. So yep. yeah, so now I'm here. So. Yeah, but doing other cool stuff too, which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about in in a little bit. Um, but oh, I have so many questions. Like this adventure of life that you've been on sounds so fun. <laughs> I'm sure it's also been difficult. Um, but um, did you find that those, cause I, cause yes. So for listeners, people who are listening, spring is, I would say like a very like hardcore meditator. And what I mean by that is that meditation can feel hardcore for some, at, for sometimes, you know, like, especially in the beginning, you're saying you're doing all these things. You're sitting in a room quietly for hours and hours and hours. And I'm curious, did that, did, was that helpful for you though, in some part? Oh, yeah. You know, I was a practitioner very much, and I still am in the insight meditation tradition. And, um, and for some people, it's like Vipassana, which mm-hmm. is a word that means clear seeing. It's that Vipassana style, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it saved my life. I, I, it gave me, and I, I would practice, I would go on three-month silent retreats. I mean, I just, for me, when I first met that practice, I, I just devoted my life to it. I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm now a yogi and I go where the mm-hmm. yogis go and I travel and I work to pay for the next retreat. And that's mm-hmm. how I live. And I lived very simply for a long period just to go practice. Mm-hmm. And then I think as all things do, you know, we reach a, we reach a saturation point maybe. And we have, we get a, we hit a plateau. Mm-hmm. I think that was the word. I hit a spiritual plateau and I couldn't mm-hmm. seem to grow anymore in that community. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't seem to address core trauma, which now I also know the community was mostly white, mostly, you know, there was, there was a whole series of things that I didn't understand because I was just trying to make the Dharma fit. Like, but no, I love this mm-hmm. teaching. And I wasn't realizing there's a whole bunch of factors contributing to that plateau of me growing. Mm-hmm. And so, there- yeah. Was there grief in that, in, in recognizing that you'd sort of hit a certain ceiling and had to yeah. seek outside of that community you love so much? Yeah, I think it was two things coming. It was me hitting my own growth spurt, mm. right? Within a, you know, you grow in a community for a while and then either two things happen. You grow with the community or you outgrow them. And I felt like I was outgrowing that particular community. The insights I was having um, and the realizations I was having, I wanted to build a much more multicultural environment. I mean, I was like Black Lives Matter, like years ago. Like I was like, <laughs> this is it. Why isn't anyone else? Like, yeah. why are you guys not talking about this? I don't understand. Yeah, like, yeah. I would get so sad and cry. So there was a tremendous sorrow in that. So in one way it was a sorrow of leaving, but it was also, I was leaving behind a certain kind of sorrow of staying. <laughs> 
and mm. it being so silent around things that I cared about. The social justice pieces weren't mm. a central piece in many spiritual communities here in the West. They just yeah. are not. They're yeah. only now coming on. And even still, there's a lot of resistance to some. Yeah. And I understand it's how they want to practice sort of the, it's just a perspective on what, why we practice. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think... So I think I probably mentioned this to you in an email spring, but so one of the things that I think is so juicy about having you on this show is that, so I come from a meditation background. I've also, I've done the Pasana retreats. I would love to do a 30 day. I feel like that would be my next move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do also think that there is, I like that you use the word plateau because I think you're giving me language for something that I'm also experiencing. And then Kylie is, so where Kylie comes in, she's, she's, well-versed in shamanic work. So the, the podcast- I don't even call myself well-versed, but it's my, <laughs> it's, it's, it's where I like to swim. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love it though, because it's a really beautiful dynamic that we have where I call myself the meditator. I'm like more of like the, the practical one. And then I feel like Kylie has a shamanic work, which is, I feel like there's, it can be different. Kind of like you were saying, sometimes meditation can feel almost sterile. Um, and I guess- I just wanted to see if you could speak to the similarities, the crossover, but also where these practices might be different. Because I think that's complement. one of the questions, that, that's one of the things that we're always kind of circling around, right, is the way in which our spiritual practices complement one another, where we kind of stretch each other, um, and, and where they seem like they're suggesting different things, but are in fact kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we're curious to hear how they've kind of melded together for you. Yeah. And then I do want to come back to social justice stuff uh, in particular so that listeners can know that you have a whole Harriet Tubman altar that we're looking at behind you. <laughs> yeah. uh, just to like give us a roadmap of where we'd love to <laughs> yeah, This is also unusual. I have this for a particular reason. I've created this. Uh, yeah, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, I do want to interject and just say one more thing. It's just like, it's... Um, I listen to, you know, you, you record on 10% podcasts often with Dan. And I think that is another wonderful example of how there's almost a type of difference, yet there's also a crossover. There's like a Venn diagram, right? It's like, <laughs> I heard Dan talk about how he's not really into like the heart stuff and the shamanic stuff. And yet he's also, you know, very much meditation is a huge part of his life. And I just find this relationship to be really interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, Dan is a funny one with all of that. He's like kicking and screaming his whole way on this path, you know? And even when I was leading this retreat with him, he was like, it was so classic what was happening, this big heart opening. He's like, no, no, that, that's not it. It's something else while well, there's tears, you know? So I was like, I think this is it. I, I, you know, but you find your way, you know, everybody has to feel comfortable. Which is why, so listeners know, we're referring to Dan uh, Harris, 10% Happier. And th that's the book that I recommend to people who are like, okay, I want to try meditation, but I don't know about like all that woo-woo stuff. And I'm like, I have, I have the book for you. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have the community, the book, and the teacher. That, yeah, yeah. And I think that's why he's so popular is he really does carry that, you know, he's, yeah, he's great. He's a dear friend. And, yeah. and, and he, he's going to be a voice for that community, the fidgety skeptics. The, yeah. You know, well, because that. I also think the West has sort of sterilized meditation a little bit mm -hmm. to have it be a lot more about like, and it's fine. I think people can come to meditation for all different reasons, but sometimes it's about this idea of let me focus more. Let me like increase my discipline um, mm -hmm. so that I can be more productive at work. And that, that sort of serves a lot of, I think, this colonial 
capitalistic mm. kind of view of, of meditation. Yeah, which I think is sad. I do think, you know, there's two pieces to really get to. One, that's a beautiful um, road we can go down around how it's been like diluted, how that, how a certain aspect of mindfulness is taken out of a whole eightfold path of awakening and then honed to try to manipulate our lives with this superpower, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and not feel anything and work extra hours. Like yes, that's exactly. What this is about violence is about balance, harmony, waking up, not to try to use it. But as of the and you know we we tend to propagate and delude things, so we just always have that as like okay, that's the trend. Okay, mm, we just mm-hmm. keep pulling it back to the fundamental truth, and we're like okay, no mindfulness is this is why we practice. You know, so we have voices on that. I I know. Um, but the shamanic side and the Buddhist side is very interesting because, you know, Kylie, I don't know your exact practice that you do. You know, all I can kind of reference is the shamanic work I was doing. Um, and, you know, the shamanic work is really about working with energy, archetypes, mm-hmm. mythology. You know, it's sort of like, and, and, the, and the Buddhist approach, I think I have a little bit of a more uh, outside of the box a view of Buddhism because I've studied in all the traditions and I've been influenced by more than the Theravada, which is a sort of um, Goenka school mm-hmm. uh, is connected to that. Now that's a very strict model. That's not how it's always practiced. Mm-hmm. You know, in Thailand, I really like Ajahn Chah who is teaching like spaciousness, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just being present and Thich Nhat Hanh's a great teacher of just like washing the dishes mindfully. It's not this like drill sergeant of mindfulness, the mindfulness police, you You're know? Right. <laughs> so you have to be careful of even that, like different teachers, awakened teachers have flavors, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. it's like musicians, you know, they have one genre, but 20 flavors in that genre, right? Yeah. They evoke a different feeling. And so, um, so I have this lens, I think, of just looking at all the traditions, you know, uh, Theravada, Mahayana, and then uh, my practice in Tibetan Buddhism really opened my mind and heart a lot to the, the vastness of the sort of shamanic world, because it's very shamanic in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know. Can you and say so, more about that? Yeah. Well, in the Tibetan tradition, the role of ritual I mean, even I'll give you a really great example of that. Like um, a few years ago, this is like many years ago, actually, I went to a ritual the Dalai Lama did in Washington, D.C. Um, so this is when Barack Obama was still president. So I don't know, maybe nine years ago. And the Kala Chakra is a very famous ritual that takes maybe 10 days to do. And it's where they build those sand, sand mandalas. Mm-hmm. And they, they build this mandala. And what the mandala is depicting is the universe. And they, they spend hours, day and night, exact geometry, wow. <laughs> right? And then what the Dalai Lama is doing is he's initiating everyone into this universe and he's uplifting it. It's a very shamanic, involves mm-hmm. hours of prayers and different elements, fire element. And we're, we were there in the horizon with blindfolds on and like, <laughs> these. you know, it was like not the normal Vipassana retreat. I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay, this is getting real deep. They're like, oh. <laughs> You know, now visualize this house and there's deities here and the guardians there. And because it's all a way to try to just help us wake our mind up, Mm. right? That we are living in something so much more vast than we even understand. Like he was trying to say, this is where you really live, but the ego has constructed this very tiny reality. And therefore, 
So I got it later in the moment. I was all like, oh my God, I'm supposed to do that and visualize that. And oh my God, can I get the paper. Can we yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, we were all like, but then later I was like, oh honey, it wasn't even about that. He's like, just you're, it's more, this is your real home, but yeah. I know you can't see that. So you know, it's confusing you. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I was lucky enough to see the Dalai Lama once. I thought I was buying tickets to like an hour talk. I accidentally bought tickets to a full day thing that he was doing, which was, I was like, call my boss. I was like, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I swear to God, uh, I felt spiritually uplifted for months after just mm. sitting in his face for a day. Uh, that man is like really magical. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think, you you know, it's also sometimes, you know, he says a lot. He's, he has so much knowledge that also sometimes people get lost too. Mm. They'll go to four or five day teaching. A lot of times I would sit there, I was really young. I didn't know what he was saying. And I'd be like, do you know what he's saying? And then he would say, oh, he just says, have a good heart. And I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. So I have to tell people when I'm in audiences too, and they're like, oh my God, what's going on? And it's like, just have a good heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you'll simple. be good. Like, like this, that's all he's really trying to point to, you know, this yeah. Is yeah. 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 that's the road. You know? I remember at one point he was like, tell, just like would start telling these stories and wasn't speaking in English. And like, he had a translator, but like he would talk for like 15 minutes with without the translator and like it was just and then he'd laugh at the end and the whole room would erupt in laughter even though no one actually knew what the joke was because right. he wasn't he translated. Translated. Yeah, it, was, it was uh yeah he, it was great it was yeah crazy. it has a certain kind of patience and endurance at these yeah. kind of teachings i've gone to a lot of different asian teachers who had long you know translators that a tibetan teacher so it was, yeah yeah <laughs> all perfect yeah. <laughs> So, so it sounds like though, what, I think what you're saying that's really interesting to me is that, um, yeah, and there's just different, yeah. So in, there's so many different types of also teachers and teachings of meditations that sometimes that, that, that in some, in some spaces, shamanic work isn't separate from the meditation at all, that it's already sort of part of that, especially what you were saying in like Tibetan Buddhism for sure. Um, which I think maybe may be a little bit more devoid in like regular or Westernized meditation. I think accurate. it's hard for them, you know, and I think out of, of all the meditations, I think the one thing that they, all the traditions boil down to a few key things. They all can agree on some fundamental things. Presence. Mm. That's what everybody is trying to get to the clear presence. Even if all the rituals, it's actually leading up to just now rest in the state of awareness, right? The rituals are pointing somewhere. Even though some people may say, I don't need all that. I'll just sit. Great. Yeah. That's maybe what they need to just, you know, but they're all being it's always about this present moment as the doorway. And it's also about the examination of suffering and the end of suffering. And that being like, we're all trying to get off this wheel to get out of this matrix, you know, and we feel it. We're like plugged in and we know it. And it's so irritating. We're like, ah, I could just get out of this thing, you know, but yet we're so connected to it, you know? And so so it's something really important to look at as we, as a meditation, it's a journey to the, the freeing the mind from um, being present, stepping out of that delusion and, and seeing something else. And yeah. so the shamanic world can help people with that archetypally. You know, I mean, this is a, this is a journey. Our lives are like, you know, they're like chapters in a book. I mean, this is, this is like Shakespeare, right? And then, so it is shamanic in its own. The story of the Siddhartha is shamanic, you know, it's very yeah. magical. Mm -hmm. So we hold both. 
You know, we hold our feet on the ground and also the universe and the sky. Look at that. That's shamanic. The earth and then the sky. Wow. Can't explain billions of universes, can we? No. We, we have to hold both, you know? It's yeah. like and yang. Yeah. Yeah. I think that can be, um, <laughs> I think my, my black and white thinking mind often so wants to understand, you know, wants to keep it it wants to understand. So it does, it defaults by trying to be like, it's either this or it's this, you know, this sort of default of the mind that I think we all have that we go because we need to simplify it. But in reality, or it's, categorize or yeah, yeah. categorize. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, life is so different in all these really subtle and delicious, tiny nuanced ways that we can't, you can't categorize them. Right. It's just, yeah. So, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Kylie. No, no, go ahead, Kylie. That's good. So I, I want to ask a question uh, under the guise of it being a question a listener might have, but actually it's really just my own question that I want your wisdom on. <laughs> so sure. I think what I was thinking about as you were talking about, like we see that we're trapped in this matrix and we want out. And the thing that I, that what rose up for me is that there's also this real resistance, right? Like there's this way in which okay, I want liberation. I want to like snap into the presence or, or, or allow myself to rest in presence. But also when the, you know, reminder goes off to meditate or we have the opportunity to, um, you know, I use the Akashic records a lot to like whatever our practice is, all of a sudden there's all these other things we come up with <laughs> that we have to do instead, right? And so even as we are like so frustrated at this, um, you know, being trapped in this matrix, we are so resistant to doing the things that help us out of it. And I'm just, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of, that's a loaded question. I mean, I think that there's whole, you know, it's probably what we're all trying to figure out, but I'm curious in your experience, you know, how, how you navigate that or how you help your students navigate that. Well, I, I first, I completely agree with you. You know, we're, we are, you know, we're the gatekeeper, <laughs> Yeah. You know, we're, we're the, we're the warden too, you know, we're like the inmate and the warden and we know it, I think, I believe fundamentally on some level. And I think also that, you know, it's very hard. We're going against the stream. That's a classic uh, phrase that uh, the Buddha said that, you know, a lot of people are reinforcing the fun of the matrix, the fun of this place, and there mm -hmm. is nothing else. So we have a whole bunch of conditioning, right? Very mm -hmm. few people are like, learning when they're very young, you're an enlightened being, you forgot. Now we're going to try to awaken through these practices. No, we grew up on Taco Bell and Walmart and consume and the education system of America and the dream value, so to speak, and with all the oppression <laughs> mm. and the sexism and homophobia and cap. We don't grow up. So we have to understand that when we are ourselves pushing our head up one day going, I'm going to meditate. And all of that programming comes right behind. Mm we have to understand that there is a force that we have to push back against the yeah. force of the, the culture and the, the, the conditioned society, the it's, it's like, it's got a power to it, Yeah, you know? And so we have to exert some pressure back to like, yes, I'm going to practice today. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to drink this green juice. I'm not going to, you know, there's an actual kind of effort mm. if you're alone. Now, if you're in a spiritual community, the community that can help you. Right because that energizes everyone that creates a force. That's why living in the spiritual community is easier at times because, you know, if you're in a meditation community, you'll practice more because everyone's going to the practice hall, mm -hmm. right? That has a force, but if everyone's just going on YouTube right now or going on Netflix, mm -hmm. eating chocolate, you'll do that. 
So we have to just have a real care that we're up against something. And so there is a battle sometimes to follow, um, to follow our highest calling and to practice every day. That framing is, is so helpful because for me, uh, I'm just so hard on myself that when, that what, that it turns into this battle, like this internal monologue of like, you know, you don't follow through on things or whatever, whatever it is that mm. rises up. And so it, it becomes like a singular failing, right? Mm. I mean, I'm not always as hard on myself. I'm being more melodramatic for the sake of <laughs> example, right? But it becomes uh, my own failing rather than recognizing like, no, this is going to be hard. So like, get ready to meet the resistance. Yes. And yeah. to meet all the hindrances that keep us. Yeah. I mean, there's classic teachings in the Buddhist tradition around hindrances to practice and mm-hmm. desire, aversion, doubt, you know, sleepiness, sleepiness, sleepiness <laughs> right? There's all these kind of reasons we go to sit down and meditate. We're like, no, you know, suddenly I need to call my friend I haven't talked to since the third grade. I must call right now. Like yeah. the moment we sit down, right? Like, oh, I have to get a latte. Oh, someone's outside with a lawnmower. I can't focus. You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, so we have these hindrances internally, externally. So I understand. I wish I could do, when I'm on my own, I want to do hours of practice. And sometimes it doesn't happen. And I can fall into that same mindset of like, oh, today, yeah, you didn't do as well as you could have. But I did a lot, you know? And Mm -hmm. so we have to just, we just try to work with that. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in a situation like this, love, it really all comes down to like love though, because I think while you're absolutely right that like I wrote down, you said, yeah, there's some pressure, some p- apply some pressure back on those conditionings or all that stuff. But um, to do it from a place of love, because you're like, I'm actually doing this because I know yeah. it's the loving thing to do for myself or it's like the good yes. thing to do for myself rather than having it be that internal cattle prod that actually Dan Harris talks about a lot, which is that like, uh-huh. you're, you're bad and you didn't do this and you suck. And therefore you have to go twice as hard tomorrow. Cause I feel like that can be, that just makes it that so much worse. High. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's never a, works. It, it never works because it's like beating and shaming ourselves into meditating. You know, yeah. we can't, it, the force is a, like a kind of a wise effort. It's like mm-hmm. the, it's the force says, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to wake up and go for a walk because that's what helps me. And we have to sometimes push in a healthy way. Like you don't want to put your shoes on, get your shoes on. You know, I know you don't feel like doing that, but, and then you always feel better, right? It's kind of like, we know the outcome is going to be good. So sometimes we apply like a gentle, but it has to be applied correctly. It's like wise effort. It has to not have the cattle prod, but have that. I know there's resistance and I'm going to override it for my, the highest part knows that this is just the complaints, (laughs) the complaint department. (laughs) And the resistance is not like of you, right? And you aren't the resistance. You are like, so like, just, you don't have to buy into it because you know, you're wiser and extend beyond it. I don't know. I'm scrambling (laughs) my words, but (laughs) I know we're not the resistance. It's just, it's just a rising as it does. Usually when there's an important door we want to walk through, it could be resistance fighting a book project. And you know, we have this anytime we're on the edge of something good for us, resistance, eating vegetables. I have people in my life who say that, you know, it's just this energy. It hits everyone. So we could just see it as kind of empty, you know, and like, okay, here it is. And you know, sometimes we might listen, you know, (laughs) and that's okay. Wise energy. I really love that. I think that's that's really on the money right there. Wise, 
or wise effort is what you said. (laughs) Yeah. Wise effort. It's really important to reflect on how we effort in anything. Is this a wise application? Are we overdoing it or underdoing it? Um, Mm. And I I feel like the name of your book also encapsulates this, which is fierce heart (laughs) to show to life with a fierce heart. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. And then people have asked me about that. And, and I think I mean fierce because, you know, and I'm not a fierce people when they look at me, they wouldn't say I'm more like Kung Fu Panda, not Bruce Lee. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, so fierce. You know, the fierceness is, I think, my capacity to be with intensity. Yeah. That's what makes my heart fierce. Like I've been in a lot of dramatic moments. And, you know, even on my shamanic path, a lot of witnessing and presence or other dramatic moments as a meditation teacher, you're like a, you know, a priest, you hold a lot, you listen to a lot. And I think I just the fierceness is this capacity to hold the complexity of this human life mm. with a kind of dignity, the joy and the pain of it. You don't just get one. You know, we know this. We long for that. I just want one happy moment after another and another and another. Mm. But it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And that sucks, doesn't it? Now that we have to <laughs> deal with everything else. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful, though. Mm. I think that is really so much of like what this life is about because i do think the more intensity we can hold like you were saying it sucks because you have to deal with the shitty parts too but the more we can hold that means the more um we get to experience the gifts of it too because there's like so much there but it but it has to come with a discomfort as well and it's like you know and i think we've, we've all been there we're like oh my god like all of this growth or stepping out of your comfort zone or even doing anything scary or new or even joy can be uncomfortable sometimes you're like oh "Ah." yeah joy is i mean renee brown talks about that right joy is just like deeply uncomfortable we think it's what we want but then it happens (laughs) and joy is like you know laying on your back like a kitten you know with your belly exposed or like joy is (laughs) joy is like the the dream where you're naked in your high school you know like you're so exposed when you are really full of joy yeah. Yeah. And to keep and to be comfortable exactly with all of life's experiences, right? To be and to trust that it's like it's moving through us, it's awakening something is important. And that and, and as we mature, I always think of when I think of spiritually mature people or wise people, it's their ability to hold energy, mm. complexity, organizationally, spiritually, you know, uh, uh, as a movement, a social movement. Can they hold the, all the voices and all the rhetoric and all the propaganda? It's like, okay, just keep moving forward. That's, that's like, it's like we're training in that. Even when we're meditating and every time we sit through an emotion we hate, we're actually growing. Every time we yeah. sit through this restlessness that we're just like, I'm going to die of it. And then we don't. We're like, okay, okay, I'm here. Mm-hmm. We actually grow in those moments being with what we don't like, being with what's hard, being, um, there's like, and that's why I said that's the fierce part, um, being with too much joy and we feel naked and then we're there lying and, you know, just <laughs> uncovered, you know, we got to feel that, you know, yeah. and it's like, okay, let's feel it. Like it's that willingness to be like, this is, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to feel it. Okay. Let's yeah. just feel. And then, and then we survive. Like we always do. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I, I love what you just said about, you know, wisdom and why teachers you're like training to hold the energy and um 
And I'm curious to see how that shows up for you. You kind of referenced it a little bit, you know, political ideologies and whatnot, how you see that in this moment of Black Lives Matter. And, um, you know, I think it seems to me like the wave crested, right? All of a sudden, a bunch of us white people were like, oh, shit, racism, (laughs) you know, and everyone like went out and bought the books and, you know, did the thing. And then I think what happened, you know, it seems to, uh, there's, there's a, like the energy has shifted, right? Right. Which we knew would happen. Um, And I guess I'm curious to know from your perspective, um, I guess, I guess, how to keep holding the energy is maybe the question that I'm asking, but you can answer that however you, you could. Yeah, yeah. I was, I saw this funny post, what you're saying reminds me, somebody sent this funny post about how, you know, when we first had the epidemic really hit and the shelter in place was really powerful and everyone was like posting pictures of all the bread they were making and cookies. <laughs> cake. And then, then it was like, what the hell was in that bread? Because like, <laughs> like a short time like deep on the police, decolonize. Oh my God. Like this is the narrative, right? On on social media, I went from that to that. So I think with anything, when you make such a huge flying leap, right? Up into people being like, oh my God, I'm, I hold these views. And there's all this um, sort of like a light shined on this one issue. um, You know, there has to be a balancing point is like the pendulum, right? It's mm. swaying really far out. But yet, I think there would have been a lot more sustained focus on it had we not been in this epidemic, because I do believe we would have had sustained protesters. Mm. But because of the police and the way that the coronavirus is, you know, moving through the community, it was like a great risk to be out for a lot of people who mm-hmm. uh, would have been naturally in a normal environment, drawn out yeah. Really, people, every everyone, right? Yeah. That felt compassionate. So that's something I feel like we're in a pandemic. So it's like, oh my god. <laughs> so that is like two things happening that naturally would make our attention. And then we got to live in this moment too. We got kids. Yeah. We got to cook. You know, food. We got to you know build some more of that yeah. bread. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> some bread tomorrow. We got to call our mom. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my god. In the midst of all of this, it's like. We have to like live some kind of normal life, earn an income, you know, all the things we do, and then also thrive in some way. Mm. And so I think it's okay. I don't think that this awakening is going away. I think it's just like, it's going to mature. It's going to, and for some people, it might be too much, you know, and they might need to take a back seat. Like, you know, like you guys drive the car, just need to be with this and learn. There's a lot of people Mm. still in the learning, um, and, um, and yeah, we're just holding this moment too. This moment does require a fierce heart because there is so much complexity yeah. and so much emotion, you know, everybody's just like melting down or fired up. And even, I mean, even when you're, everyone's on the same team, you know, they're yeah. just shooting off at other people that you're like, wait, we were just, Hey, we're, we're together. What are you doing? Right. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a bad day, you know, and, yeah. and you just have to like, there's a kind of strength that you have to just kind of stay in your lane. Right now I'm just in my lane and cars are swerving. I'm like, Hey, okay. Over there. I'm just like, keep <laughs> it going. Keep it going. Cause it's so <laughs> bumpy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. When it's, well, cause we can talk a little bit more about your course. Cause I think it's so fascinating, but I think, yeah, you've, yeah. you've like, you've created a lane, you created a yeah. lane and you're like, and you're just like, that's one way. I think a wonderful example of how you can still be doing the stuff that's important to you, but also stay in your lane. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah. And I can tell you how that, and it just came to me as many of us when initially in February, March, I got kicked out of a, a meditation retreat center in Massachusetts, Insight Meditation Society. I was supposed to go to um, Peru uh, in May and do my whole retreat season. I wasn't even living in this country. I was pretty much going to be getting residency either in Costa Rica or Peru. I've been a nomad. So I had this kind of ambivalence with the U.S. like, oh, God, I wish, but no, oh, no, no, you know, <laughs> maybe I felt something brewing, you know, yes. I, mean, I, think we, I think we all have since 2016, you yeah. know, like it's brewing, you know, mm -hmm. so I just, so yeah, so it was very interesting what happened. I came back to California and I said, okay, universe, you've taken away my whole schedule, but I am a healer. I'm here to help. I will not stop. So after a month of doing our grief ritual, I said, tell me what I need to do. And then the week before, the week George Floyd died, I had an incredible visionary dream about Harriet Tubman. And that has what's led to this course. And oh, in the I dream, I was running. I was running. And, um, and I was, and it was, you know, the other killings, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Avery, I was just so heartbroken. So as the third one that hit like that, you know, George Floyd mm -hmm. was just like, it just broke me open. And, a, and a, like maybe two days before that, I had this dream about Harriet Tubman where I was running down a dark road, hanging onto the back of her jacket. And you know how you have these dreams where you know you're being chased? We often have chase dreams or dreams we're falling, you know, or mm -hmm, naked. Yeah. We're naked mm -hmm. somewhere, right? Yeah. There's very Freudian, you know, psychology, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I was running and I just, I, I couldn't see anything. And I was like, oh, we were being chased. And it was so scary. And I was so afraid. And I said, Harriet, get me out of here. And somehow I was like, wait, this is Harriet Tubman. <laughs> and, then, and then it was like, she turned around and she was like, I'll get you out. And ever since that day, Harriet, and this might be a connection I have just because of my shamanic work that I'm very close. I live in a multidimensional reality. I'm aware that I don't talk about it, but I think all shamanic practitioners do. So Harriet and I have just had this dialogue, you know, and so then I said, okay, I'm going to do a five-part class about Harriet Tubman, and I'll just call it the Dharma of Harriet and Underground Railroad. It was like a week later, I started the class, literally only launched it for seven or eight days. We had like 600 tickets sold, and then my wow. publisher, I'll tell you the miracle, my publisher at Hay House, I have a book I was supposed to be writing on shamanism, is on the class. And says, you got to write a book about this right now. So now I'm writing a book. And then I decided to keep my Sunday class because it was so good. No one wanted to stop. Oh, my gosh. And they were like, we want to come next Sunday. It was like 200 <laughs> people. So I was like, okay. So now. Oh, my God. Spring, the universe had other plans for you. She was like, she was like, you got work to do here. You got work to do with Harriet, this great ancestor who's giving me so much courage. Harriet telling the stories that I've been researching. Oh my God, this woman, I, I just can't even, I, I don't know anyone stronger than this. I mean, it's like, so for me, the class is a celebration and a learning of our history, our shared history, and also to embody the qualities. Harriet's yeah. spirit wants to be out. She's, the movie came out in 2019. People write to me all over now, like, my daughter had a dream about Harriet. Oh, and wow. I'm like, the stories people are telling me. So, so wait, what do you talk, what, what's the course cover? Like, what do you, what's the, some of the, the themes or the content in really, yeah. And I'm curious how it all connects back to Harriet. Yeah. So the church really, so it was a five week class where I took people through five aspects. It was like prison of the mind, white supremacy, inferiority. I talked the whole class about allies. There was these powerful white men 
in Harriet's life later on that mm. supported her work in the abolitionist movement. So I showed everyone like, what does it mean to show up? Like, wow, mm. these people and so many died. There's a lot of abolitionists who put their lives on the line in the Underground Railroad, right? To, mm. to move people through safe houses. Um, so, and then I wove that in with a, what does the Dharma mean to stand up and pursue freedom? What does it mean as a Dharma practitioner to know right is right and to stand mm. up? Like there's integrity here. Like what is the world that we want to pass on? Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where you're willing to stand up to whatever because of what you know is right. And that's mm -hmm. sort of like um, the Lama has done that with China and the whole Tibetan issue, Thich Nhat Hanh and the Vietnamese issue and the Vietnam War. We, there's a history, Martin Luther King and the Christian church, there's a history of spiritual beings using their beliefs and their practice to they have to, they're, they're tasked with creating social change. They are called to that. Mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman was called to that. That's what I believe. Like she's been Moses for a lot, a lot of lifetimes, you know, they <laughs> called her Moses and she was just so fearless. I think as a woman, this 90 pound woman that did everything that she's done. And I, I'm excited to write the book to share more of her stories and weave the Dharma and modern a modern take on it. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 oh, take. You know? Yeah. Oh my God. I can't yeah. wait to read this book. Yeah. Well, also to like, yeah. to like, you know, educate. Cause like the, you know, I know about Harriet Tubman kind of sort of, but exactly. not really, you know what I mean? And hearing you talk about her, I'm like, okay, there's so much more here to this story. So wait, so you're publishing a book about her work and in relation to like now social justice now. Well, yeah, because, um, you know, the class was about, I felt like what Harriet was giving me, like showing up in this like ancestor, you know, one of our ancestors, she's everyone's ancestor. I'm a black woman, so I feel connected in a certain way, but she's an American ancestor. She's like an ancestor to anyone who's listening. Um, you know, she just is giving us the, what is the one quality everybody really wants right now is like fearlessness. Mm -hmm. all, all of this has made everyone, what, afraid. Afraid of the coronavirus, afraid of the police, afraid of uh, politics, yeah, politics, mm -hmm. backlash, yeah. you know, being called out, being humiliated, cancel culture, yeah, canceled, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. Like, yeah. we're all like, ah, <laughs> and here it's like, you better stand up, you know, you got to yeah. go out there and be you, use your voice. Everyone has power, and I think that she was someone born a slave, beaten down so much, she never believed that, though. She always had this, um under belief. And then as a conductor on the Underground Railroad for eight, nine years, she was rescuing people. So she had this bodhisattva heart too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and there was so many things that, but and a lot of people don't know. They had like a one day a year, maybe black history day in school. And they'd be like, Harry, mm -hmm. time in the Underground Railroad. And like, yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. Nobody exactly. really knew anything, you know? Exactly. She saved a lot of people. She was a brave woman. Yeah. Thank you for Harriet. Let's go back to talking about white men. Yeah. <laughs> like that one day and then back to the history of the world and, you know. Yeah. 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 Harriet, so, you know, she's here. Um, so I uh, am curious, uh, you mentioned that, like, as an ancestor, you, you know, feel like in dialogue with Harriet Tubman. And you also mentioned that you feel like you live in a, multi-dimensional multi-dimensional reality yeah and <laughs> i so, wrote that down too and i was like can't yeah. can't end this podcast without asking you about yeah. that <laughs> so you know that is so in line with you know some of the some one of the reasons that i wanted to have a podcast is for people to share what how they really experience their spirituality because for me as someone who is interested in the mystical and the metaphysical in the beginning of my own 
kind of opening up, I just was so convinced I was losing my mind for a while. <laughs> and so I'm just would, was hoping you could share a little bit about what that looks like and how you experience that. Because I think those stories yeah. are important to, I think they're valuable to, to hear. And they can be very misunderstood and, and very confusing um, also. I, I think, you know, one of the things that I love, I'll just say from my Buddhist practice is how grounded it is. Mm -hmm. you know, years of sitting, walking, follow your breath, sit, walk, follow your breath, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's yeah. like so earthy, right? Yeah. Special yeah. about that initially. Yeah. But then after times, like all kinds of states of consciousness start to happen, like higher states of, it started to happen with me where I started to enter into what are called jhanic states of concentration. And, and then I'd be like, well, what is happening? I'd be hours and hours and sitting and everything would just dissolve and I would just be space. And then I would go report this to my, my Burmese teachers or my American teachers. And I'd be like, oh, this is very good. This is very good. Okay, keep going. Like, keep, you're almost a stream entry. You're almost going to get enlightened. I'd be like, I'm not going to get enlightened. Really? Okay. And I'd be, like, there's a lot of kind of you know, craziness around, you know, high states or whatever. So it started off with my ability to be able to concentrate, have this mm -hmm. uh, deep kind of concentration that would lead into very blissful states of mind that felt very otherworldly, mm -hmm. right? Where you would lose touch with your body. You read stuff like where yogis can sit for one day, two days. I never did that, but mm -hmm. I, if I would have applied a kind of effort, I mm -hmm. probably could have, but I never exerted it that hard, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of started my interest in there's there, oh, the elevator goes much higher than I once perceived because mm. I entered it there, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, well, that's really <laughs> interesting. And then when I got more into the shamanic world and, and being with Shipibo, indigenous people, they live, they're, to their detriment, some of them, because they it's very hard for them to ground in this. Like they're terrible with their money, their watches, you know, they have no, they're like, you got to be here at three o'clock with the money I gave you yesterday. Where is that? And they're like, oh yeah, that was gone after you gave it. I don't know. <laughs> like somebody needed it. I had to get, you know, it's like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's yeah. Okay. They're in the jungle. They could stay like that there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So you have to always have a foot in this reality clearly in embodied because the danger with people journeying and being interdimensional is that they're not embodied here. Mm -hmm. I had years of embodiment practice that I didn't even realize served me so well. So when I got in the shamanic world, I was really good at it mm -hmm. because I linked, I was in my body, I was in my heart and then I could go. The danger is going off when you have no foot here, not a good thing. And that's what happens to people. It's scary. Yeah. They disassociate. They lose uh, awareness of what's happening on this realm. It can lead to kind of a psychosis. Yeah. Or just mm. a total, you can't channel any of the wisdom because you're not in your body to know it. Mm. And to yeah. yeah. Yes. You have to be in your body to know the wisdom and to bring the wisdom through. If you're going to be like a channel, you have to be fully here, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so... So that is so just really working with plants and it was so normal living with Shipibos to have many mystical experiences, you know, while fasting, while meditating, while working with plants, while praying, mm. you know, it's just to see, to see the scope of the universe and to understand that we're in a, you know, we live in a system where there are many beings and there's the world of spirit. We are a spirit. You know, yeah. we come and we're incarnated, but we're not just these bodies. Yeah, and I saw yeah. that with meditation. So I was less afraid. Mm -hmm. You know, I was more willing to see it as organic and natural. And this must be what the Buddha went through when he started to see the universe and to see 
you know, like I think it's a natural kind of evolution of consciousness when we're ready. Yeah. I okay. love that. Yeah. I'm going to be going back and re-listening to our own podcast. Okay. Just, just letting you know, because this is, this is so good. And so beautiful. And I, I was going to ask, like, do you find, cause I think this is the challenge for so many people is finding that balance between the material world and this mm. other sort of interdimensional world. But it, I feel like you already answered it, which is that you had such a grounded meditation practice that it seems like it's easier for you to actually kind of have both like one foot in both worlds kind of. Yes. And I'm learning that more and more. And my dialogue and my connection to Harriet is another evolution of that that I can feel this, uh, I can feel this profound connection and actually bring this book through. I feel like it's Harriet who wants to write it. I'm like, yeah. I'm yours, Harriet. You say go, I'll do it. This just yeah. came out of nowhere three months ago. I mean, I had, you know, I was a Harriet fan, but I was like many people like, yeah, Harriet Tubman, of course. You know, I didn't know the details. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wasn't like, you know, writing about her. I was working on something very different, a shamanic book. And this sort of was like, okay, spirit, you want to use this and this is, the, this is the energy that needs to come through. Okay, great. But yeah. grounded is very important because that's the danger I've seen in South America with people entering states. It's a danger I've seen even on long meditation retreats. People can have breaks on long retreats. Now there's a very heavy screening process because mm. deep, intense meditation is not right for everyone because it yeah. can lead someone who's already maybe fragile, who tends to go out, mm -hmm. to go out and not come back for a long time. And that's, yeah. not, that's not compassionate for anybody here. It's not a good thing to not be able to. Um, and I'm also a, like a triple Capricorn. So I think that helps. <laughs> Like Capricorn sun, moon, Capricorn sun. I got like, it. Cap You're girl, like, I'm also a Capricorn. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm a, so. and I'm a Taurus. So there's like a lot of earth energy happening here. Yeah. yeah. yeah You're a triple Capricorn though? Yeah. Like I, the last they told me, I was like, moon, sun. I have Aries rising. So maybe a double Capricorn. Oh but my God. That's literally earth. my husband. Sorry. I just got excited. My husband knows <laughs> is those three things. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he's probably a real earth spirit. And the, the danger is you could get too subtle, you know, yeah. you not have enough water and air. You got to keep <laughs> balancing it. But for me to, for me to journey around or, or open my heart to these different energies is, um, I can say grounded, hopefully. I feel like I have trained in that through years yeah. of practice. Well, and I feel like the, the, the desire to skip over the groundedness and reach for sort of mystical experiences comes from a desire that like to escape the now, to escape the present, to think like, oh, there's some amazing thing out there and I just have to get to it, which is I think kind of antithetical to what I, what's my core spiritual <laughs> belief, even though I totally do that sometimes, right? But that like presence is the, that is fundamental. Um, and and so i think it's a it's a it's a project like when we try when we try to reach without being interested in being embodied we're kind of doomed to fail because the whole point is that and again in my mind is that we are this link between the heaven and earth you know we're we're not the heaven exclusively that we would we wouldn't be here we would be up there <laughs> 
I agree with you. And I, and you know, that's a big thing with people who are teaching meditation. I remember I, at the meditation center in downtown Oakland, people sometimes would come into my, I used to teach all these classes, you know, all entry level, beginner, all on donations. So anybody could come in, you know, to the center. And we have everybody, it's characters in downtown Oakland, right? Yeah. And some people come on and be like, can you teach me how to get to the fifth dimension? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that. And they'd be like, I said, I'll teach you how to be here in your body. That's the miracle. That's the, that's what, that's the real healing. And they'd be like, okay, well, yeah. you know, everyone wants to be out. Like, yeah. Oh, escape. Escape. Yeah. And that's like a very Western thing, you know, yeah. it's so painful to feel and be so. Yeah. When it's so, really all right here, <laughs> like I know like, to get there, I think it's like through. It's through here. It's through now. Yes. It's through yeah, here. Right. So yes, right here, right now. Feel your feelings. Be in it, and then you know. And and it's a big thing because of teaching people shamanic work. Who teaching them the embodiment too first is yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I do have to continue this question though because I am genuinely very curious about in terms of like communicating with the multidimensional realities. How does that come through you, if I, if I may ask? Yeah, I think it's always different. You know, it comes through, through intuitive, uh, like a, an intuitive capacity, right? Our mm-hmm. gut knows, you know, mm-hmm. or often when there's communication happening on a, another level, you, you will get interested in a set of teachings, a set of teacher, a place in the world. Suddenly you're obsessed on Egypt, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, I have to go to Egypt right now. And you know, the next day somebody hands you a book. Here, I found this book on Egypt. You're like, another sign. An Egypt ticket pops up on your, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go. There's something in Egypt, right? Yeah. Awesome stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like a series of things. I was like, okay, universe. You're like, <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and listening and oh, paying attention. And then you're, yeah, you're listening to what the guidance is showing you right and then there could be something there for you in Egypt like an experience that you need to have and it might be that you're aware of like an encounter or you're not I mean you know it's also how open we are you know we learn how to be open-minded in a way that's really true like we literally open up Mm -hmm. and um and and it's just you know it's like our ancestors can connect with us. We feel things. We become intuitive. These are all also natural gifts that happen, even in city yoga, you know, city yeah. powers. Um, you just start to interact. You know, it's just your true nature comes out. It's less closed down your senses. So it's, a, I think it's very natural in a lot of people, actually. Yeah, now, rather yeah. they listen or they get scared. That's another thing. A lot of people right. go right to fear. Christianity has made it a scary mm-hmm. thing to have a relationship with even your mind in meditation mm-hmm. at times, right? Yeah. So it'll be like, I remember my aunt used to say, that's, you're opening up to the devil, you know, by meditating. And I'd be like, wow, really? You know, yeah. I don't feel like that though. <laughs> yeah. Maybe sometimes I do, but not, you know, that's not how you think that though. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's hard. Yeah. You know, so. So it's, it's intuitive and I think it grows and it's different for each person every time. Some people might have more up close encounters mm-hmm. um, and, and just like Harriet, it's just like a presence guiding my energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my dreams, Gabe. Yeah. She came to yeah. you in a dream. So that was definitely. Yeah, planting <laughs> seeds. Yeah. Planting seeds. Other people being interested, like, you know, they yeah. usually these great spirits, they come for a reason and it's always to be of service. Yeah. They come every- to serve, 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 help, the mission. 
every time you talk about Harriet, I get like full body goosebumps. So she is like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you both are really open. So if you start having Harriet tell yeah. you, he's going to help you. I'm yeah. telling you, she's kind of stronger. Like she Ooh. gives courage. I love that you said she's like fearlessness. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I love the perspective, which is this beautiful open perspective of she's the ancestor of all of all of us, of Americans everywhere. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is connected there. You know, some, we have special connections maybe due to our ethnic heritage that we have a special link to certain people. Yes. But it's just like Quan Yin is an image of a Chinese compassionate, but there's everyone, Mm -hmm. right. Or Mm -hmm. Tara, Mm -hmm. Tibetan or any African you know, deity or we share them, but you know, so Harriet, she was always connected to everybody. She was also a freedom uh, in the freedom movement around women's liberation. Susan B. Anthony was her Mm. friend. So she had this vast uh, friend scope of collaborators. Freedom was the, you know, yeah. What's the main theme? (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Well, I think we could talk to you for like those yogis who sat for a day straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't even. Uh, yeah, one day, hopefully, hopefully, uh, if we get a second chance, I would love to ask you about your time in the jungle because that also sounds like a whole book, a whole adventure on its own. <laughs> well, I am writing a book about that. That is a, a book I was writing about, and oh, you are. Um, yeah, that was what I was writing about. Um, oh. Um, when Harriet took over. When Harriet came and then Harriet was like, this is, this is now. We got to get this done right here, right now. I was like, okay, okay, okay. We're on to it. We're on to it. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I will speak a lot about that. And I have in a lot of different podcasts and I just, you know, and my heart goes out to the Amazon forest right now because it's under a lot of threat in the Brazil side. And I, it's just what we learn from nature, Panchamama's everything, you know, yeah. and all I'll say is that Gaia is so on our side, yeah. you know, the spirit of the earth. And that's the core of what I learned in my year in Peru, that Gaia is alive. It's a living, breathing entity that responds to every footstep, every blast, <laughs> everything, you know. And so um, I really think that somehow this coronavirus is very much connected to you know the last gasps if we don't stop you know this is a way to force some kind of stoppage yeah and it has a bit in in certain ways and then you know it's not done yet but but i but i will do lots of talks about my time in peru and you can look at my organization lotus vine journeys and it's the blending of buddhism and plant medicine that's what it's called ancient medicine buddhist wisdom so we're the first buddhist medicine retreat Girl, I am. I'm, 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 I'm uh, like, if there was ever something for Eva. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we get, we know we're we're sidelined like everybody right now. We're the exactly. Button, yeah. We're, we, you're speaking my love languages right now. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. yes, yes, and your Capricorn, yes, to all of them. <laughs> well, I I love that you both are doing this great podcast and sharing all your wisdom and having these conversations. It's just. <gasps> It's exciting to see people, yeah, putting their passion out there and making this road 
accessible and connecting people together yeah. and sharing ideas though. So. Thank you. We really appreciate Thank that. You. Yeah. It's one of our big goals to try and make it more accessible and let's have silly, you know, conversations where we yeah, it's gotta be fun too, because <laughs> yeah. it can't be too heavy. It's too yes. epic out there. I gotta laugh. You gotta dance yep, people. Exactly. You gotta That's... let it go and then pick it up again when you got some time and energy, but mm-hmm. you can't, you gotta also have a lightness. Mm-hmm. Things yeah. are underway. Things are changing. It's yeah. deep profound. Yeah. Well, I think this might be a good segue into our last question. We usually do a round where we could go and share one thing that's bringing us joy right now. Yeah. Um, big or small. So Spring, would you like to share with us one thing that's bringing you joy? I think one thing that's bringing me joy right now, I mean, we've kind of been talking about it is this connection to my ancestor, Harriet, our ancestor, and the Underground Railroad, which is something that ancestors um, like this lineage of freedom fighters that I actually hadn't studied in depth before. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's a, it's a really intense reading cause it's deep, right? These are sad stories They're freedom songs. Yeah. Well, wow. Oh, it's hard, but also there's something joyful in me being present with that mm-hmm. hardship. Like these are lives that I need to listen to. These are voices. These are songs I need to hear. I need to bear witness to something in that. And there's something really joyful in it. Yeah, I will yeah. say it's hard but joyful. Spears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Beautiful. Thank you. How about you, Eva? What's something bringing you joy right now? Um, well, oh, so I, I don't know, Kylie, if I've mentioned to you before, but I'm actually part of this this collective for people of color. It's, it's the um decolonial collective that I signed up with this doctor, mm-hmm. Dr. Rocio. And uh it is a joy to be in community with other people of color to talk about just I think one community right now is so nice because, you know, we're in a pandemic. Mm. Um, and so any type of community that I'm getting feels nourishing. But I can just say there is something really powerful about a group of people. So it's also for women and femmes. So it's so mm. powerful just to hear other women, passionate women doing this work and uncovering your own shit and, and all of that. So I feel really, it's, it's, I feel grateful and it also is a source of joy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. And you, Kylie, what's something that's bringing you joy? So listeners know now I'm in week, well, it depends on when we release this, but I am in this real time week two of full-time self-employment slash unemployment, depending on how you want to define it. <laughs> um, and uh, I, have been kicking and screaming about actually resting, right? Like for months and months and months, I was desperate. I would cry about wanting to rest. And then I like, got laid off and I was like, the last thing I could do is rest. <laughs> and so the universe has been just like hitting me over the head with like, no, really just take a deep breath, pause, stop hustling, stop. And I've been really, really, really ignoring it. But um, finally, finally, I'm actually listening. And it turns out really nice to rest <laughs> and so like today um uh our, our I, I had the whole day with just me and my kids my husband was working and like it was just easy we didn't do anything right normally when I'm with my kids I'm like I have to make it a great adventure because it's mom time but I was like oh we had a lot of mom time now so we <laughs> we just like you know uh like danced in the kitchen and did a silly art project and it just was nice to not have expectations to do or accomplish anything. And so, uh, yeah, two weeks, I'm finally starting to listen. 
turns out it's a good idea. So rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rest is always joyful. Yeah. It's yeah. The, you, it's hard to be you, you can't really be present if you don't let yourself rest. You can't like hustle your way into presence. No, you have to treat your body well and your yeah. and take the time. Yeah. 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 So it's beautiful. Thank All you. Right. So Spring, where can our listeners find you? Well, they can go to my website. There's so much information there, springwasham.com. I also have a YouTube channel with some videos that I'll be updating and sharing just content on love, life, mm -hmm. happiness, you know, all the good stuff. Um, and yeah, that's about it. And yeah, they can find out everything there. That's awesome. a good hub. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And your, your Instagram is also like the same. It's also spring washroom. Yeah. Spring washroom. And they can check yeah. out my book, a fierce heart, finding mm -hmm. strength, courage, and wisdom in any moment. That's yeah. also available on Amazon and awesome. on audible. I made an audible. Oh, it's on audible. Yeah. Yay. And did you record it? Is it I recorded it. Oh. I would never let someone else record a fierce heart. Oh, good. No. Honestly, because I love your voice and I want to hear your yeah. voice on that. Oh, so I would never have, I would have cried if they would have tried to even consider that. Yeah. Okay. But that makes me so happy that it's on audible because I will be honest, it'll be a lot easier, oh, like more accessible for me to go through it if it's on Audible. Yes, yeah. I, I understand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and also, but your Sunday meditations are still, or your Sunday- Sundays are going on. They can go to, I have a link on my website and it's the Church of Harriet. It's all by donation. Anyone can come, log oh, on. And, and it's really fun. We meditate, we share stories, weaving Dharma and stories of Harriet. It's endless. And the Underground Railroad crew. That's yeah. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I will see you on Sunday then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. I love that. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so spring. much, Spring. Thank you so much. I love you guys for all you do. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. All right.